0: Never alone. I can go to the throne. He's right beside me. Hold my hand in the valley. Lump like a knife on me. Don't know where I will be. I know he I will be. Can't do what I need right. on me, my hand and you, know he'd be fine. I never had no one to stick beside me. And when it's cold, I know he got that fire. You made a way. I don't know.
1: cutting in and out, but we're going to hop right into it, okay? On your journey of a lifetime, uh, the book of Corinthians.
2: Let's go. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, written to a church community that Paul knew really well. Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world and had lots of temples to Greek and Roman gods. It was a big economic center. And so Paul strategically came here as a missionary. He spent a year and a half there getting to know people, talking to them about Jesus. And a whole bunch of people became followers of Jesus and formed a church community. You can read about all of this in Acts chapter 18. So after a while, Paul moved on to start churches in other cities. And he started getting reports that things were not going well at all back at the church in Corinth. It was plagued by all kinds of problems. And that's why he wrote this letter. It's broken up into five main parts along with the final greeting. And these five sections correspond to five main problems that Paul is addressing. And so the letter reads like a collection of short essays on different topics, but there are these core ideas that unite all of the pieces together. So here's what he does in each section. He describes the problem, but then he always responds to that problem with some part of the story of the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. And he shows how they're actually not living out what they say they believe. And so this letter is all about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. So let's dive in and see how he does it. In chapters 1 through 4, the problem is that there are these divisions in the church. There are some other teachers who had come through town since Paul left, a guy named Apollos and then Peter. And people had picked their favorite teacher. And then became groupies around that leader and then started to talk bad and disrespect people who favored another leader or teacher. And so Paul, his response to this is kind of sarcastic and sharp, he says, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> the church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. Its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. So while you might prefer one leader more than another, it's not worth dividing over and certainly not speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus and the good news about who he is and what he's done. In chapters 5 through 7, Paul addresses some problems related to sex. There were a number of people sleeping around in the church. One guy with his stepmother, a number of other people still worshiping at the local temples to Greek gods and sleeping with the prostitutes who worked there not only that but there were people in the church who were saying that this was all just fine they said hey we're free in christ god's grace is bottomless right it's fine paul says it's not fine and with the gospel in hand he shows just how wrong-headed this kind of thinking is he says remember first of all jesus died for your sins including the ruin of broken relationships that's caused by sexual misconduct and so if you're a christian Sexual integrity is one of the main ways that we respond to Jesus's love and grace. Paul also reminds them that just as Jesus was physically raised from the dead, so our bodies will be raised from the dead. Which means this, if your body is being redeemed by Jesus now and in the future, then what you do with your body matters. It matters a lot. And it's not yours to do whatever you want with. Paul's being super clear. Being a follower of Jesus involves no compromise when it comes to sexual integrity. In chapters 8 through 10, the issue is about food, but not just food preferences like do you like or dislike a certain food. The issue the Corinthians were divided over is meat that came from animals sacrificed in the local temples to Greek and Roman gods. And there was a split between the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians about how to respond to this issue. And once again, Paul appealed to some core ideas from the gospel. He says our allegiance, first and foremost, is to Jesus as Lord, not to any other gods. And so if you're in a situation where there's meat that's been dedicated to another god and there are people around who might watch you and conclude, oh, look, hey, Christians worship Jesus and they can worship other gods, too. Paul says if that's the scenario, don't eat the meat. Your loyalty is to Jesus and you should love those people more than yourself and not mislead them. But Paul quickly qualifies this and says, listen, as Christians, we believe God is the creator of all things, including that animal. And the temple idols, we believe, are just pieces of wood and stone. So if there's no one around who's going to misunderstand your actions and you're hungry, eat up. You're free as a new human in Christ to follow your conscience in these kind of debatable matters. So what makes it okay in one situation to eat, but not in the other? The core principle is love. Love will deny itself and look out for the well-being of other people. And love, God's love, is at the core of the gospel. It's what Jesus did when he died for us. And so Paul says it's what Christians should do for other people. In chapters 11 through 14, Paul moves on and addresses problems in their weekly worship gathering. There were some people who were having really powerful spiritual experiences in the gathering. And so they would start praying out loud in unknown languages. There were other people who might start sharing a teaching or a word from God, and then someone would get up and interrupt them because they wanted to share. And it all was really chaotic, and it was distracting people, especially visitors, from hearing the gospel. So in these chapters, Paul helps them think, first of all, about the purpose of this gathering, to help them see what kind of behaviors are appropriate. He says the gathering is a place where God's spirit should be working through everybody and it should happen in a unified way. So he develops this cool metaphor about the church as a human body. It's one, but it has all these different parts and each part serves a unique and important role. So he goes on to name a whole bunch of things that the spirit does through all these different people, all for the building up of the church. That's a key phrase in these chapters. And Paul concludes that the highest value in the gathering should be a concept central to the gospel, God's love. Love is a key word in these chapters, too. Love will compel each person in the gathering to use their role to serve and seek the well-being of others. So Paul applies all this to the Corinthians' problems. Some people think the purpose of the gathering is to have intense spiritual experiences or to get a chance to speak their mind. And Paul says, listen, I'm a big fan of powerful experiences of prayer, but if it distracts other people or freaks them out, I should stop it because I'm loving myself more than I'm loving those people. The gathering around Jesus should be orderly so everybody can learn and sing and worship and hear God speaking to them. The last problem Paul addresses is the issue of Jesus' resurrection and the future hope of Jesus' followers. There were some people in the church who were saying that the idea of resurrection is ridiculous and doesn't really matter to being a Christian. And Paul reacts to this big time. He begins by saying that the resurrection is an indispensable part of the gospel. We believe in it because of the hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus alive in a physical body after being publicly executed by the Romans. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, then his death was meaningless. We are all still lost in our sin and selfishness. We should just stop being Christians. Paul then shows in detail how the resurrection was Jesus's victory over death and evil, how it's a source of life and power for us now in the present and how it's a promise of future hope for the whole world. It's because of the resurrection that we have a reason to be unified around Jesus. It's the reason we have motivation for sexual integrity. It's the source of power for loving other people more than ourselves. And ultimately, it's our hope for victory over death. And so, Paul concludes, we do believe Jesus was raised from the dead, which means this. The gospel is not just moral advice or a recipe for private spirituality. It's an announcement about Jesus that opens up a whole new reality, and that's what First Corinthians is all about: seeing every part of life through the lens of that gospel.
1: Amen. Let's hop right into um, the Bible study. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> I missed you guys yesterday. And oh, Jesus I on to turn this. Audio off, so I don't run down the battery for that. So I hope you guys were able to hear really well. If you're not able to hear, let me know. Let's hop right into this. Hold on, a second. How you doing, Becky? You have to have your Journey of a Lifetime book to follow along. If you don't have the book, you're going to be lost. So we're on page 137, actually, on the book of Corinthians. And journey of a lifetime. So can you guys hear me okay? I'm fine. It's my first time joining. Okay, thank you. This is just our um, our outreach Bible study. We're doing a, um, if you don't have the book, but if you want to be, if you want to get the book, you can direct message us on Crosstalk Outreach Ministries, and we can get the book to you. But we we have been doing a book, uh, work study on our Bible study time. It's called Journey of a Lifetime. It's a 52-week um, Bible study, and it goes through the whole Bible. And we're already in the New Testament now. But we're in the book of um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And um, if you don't have the book, it's going to be kind of hard to follow along. Um, we, I normally come on Thursdays to do this, but I did have a death in the family this week. So things been kind of hectic. I should have been on last night, but I'm going to do it today so a lot of our people in our outreach can come back and listen to um, the Bible study. And what happens is I'll read out from our work study, and then um, a lot of people will fill in the blank um, to the work study. Um, If you don't have the book and you still want to follow along, um, you can direct message us on Crosstalk Outreach Ministries. We will post up the work study for you, and you can follow along like that. But um, also, we have Kingdom Disciple um, podcast now for men with Pastor Mark. He's going to be doing that on Tuesday night uh, at 830. So make sure you you guys get that. On Thursday, on Tuesdays it's uh, the Kingdom Disciples. On Thursday, it's the Bible study of the Journey of the Lifetime. And if you've been with us from the beginning to the end, you get a certificate um, through our outreach stating that you went through the whole Bible, the 52-week lesson, and you completed the course. Um, the reason why I like the Journey of the Lifetime workbook I really think all churches and ministries, outreaches, they should have this and go over it with their people, because it's not so. He he put everything together, so it's so nice how everything is together. It's not so overwhelming when you're going. You think going through the whole Bible in 52 weeks, you're like, oh my gosh. But the way he has it set up and how you have to answer, you know, find the answers on your own, and it makes you study and look through the Bible. It really, you know, helps you grow basically. So that's why. I've already been through this three times, so now we decided to um, go over it with our people. And so, um, with the Book of Corinthians, uh, you heard earlier we they played, the, we played the uh, information for you to give you some background on the, on the Book of Corinthians and the journey of a lifetime. Uh, we're on page one thirty-seven. It looks like we have one, two, three, four um pages here we got to fill in so i hope you guys were able to do that also i'm sister becky i come on prophet to the nation on regular shows you can catch those we'll be talking about well you can catch on the previous shows i've talked about what the spirit of the lord is giving what the spirit of the lord is doing in the nation what the enemy's doing spiritual warfare things like that and then you can interact with other people that come on the show <clears throat> So let's get right into this. Uh, thank you for liking the show. Come back, too, and when we have other shows and interact with us, we'd love to have you. Um, so I will say if you're new and you don't have your workbook, once again, you're probably going to be a little bit lost. But we're going to go ahead and jump into it. Uh, so it here. The Corinth was the most important city in Greece, mainly because of its location on its central north north to south travel route. It was noted for commerce and culture and adultery. Paul visited Corinth on his second missionary journey after he had met um seeming failure in Athens. Look at the book of um, Acts 18, chapter 18, verses one through 17. During his year and a half in the Corinth, what two friends did Paul make? Okay, so what two friends did Paul make? What did you guys come up with? I'm gonna put it here in the chat. It should be your answer I'm going to fill in the blank for that. And Priscilla. And Priscilla. There's your answers for that. Um for the workbook. So if that's what you came up with, you guys, those are the answers. Uh, when he left the Corinth, the church was extremely gifted in, in spiritual things. The first Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. However, Corinthians were greatly tempted by the wickedness in their city. Paul traveled to um, Ephesus from Corinth. According to Acts 19, he stayed in Ephesus three years. During this time, he wrote the church at Corinth in an explicit, explicit letter about fornication. Oh, Lord, fornication. 1 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5 and 9. This letter was not preserved. The church at Corinth then wrote Paul a letter asking him several questions about church doctrine and practice. In 1 Corinthians, Paul answers these questions and also rebukes them, rebukes them for their sins. No other letter in, New, in the New Testament deals so specifically with one with local churches. So with the book of Corinthians, there's no other letter in the New Testament that deals so specifically with um, local churches. And the brief outline of um, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is the moral correction in the church, spiritual gifts in the church, doctrine in the church. So the moral correction in the church um, defined the Corinthian church, which is one of the one of the treasures of Paul's labor was decaying because of the worldliness. And that's where we're coming at now, the worldliness. Let me underline that. Also, what we do here, Sister um, Becky, if you hear something that you that hits your spirit really good, we normally do hashtag CTOM. CTOM means Cross um, Talk Outreach Ministry. And then we post it on our timeline just for other people to engage and have an opportunity to find us in the Bible study. Um, worldliness of the city had gotten into the midst. It was all right for the church to be in Corinth, but it was spiritually fatal when the Corinth got into the church. Great churches are always destroyed from the inside, not the outside. And this church is an excellent example of truth. Now, see, that's something I would probably want to hashtag. Great churches, let me underline this, great churches are always destroyed from the inside. Oh my God, help us to Not the outside. And this church is an example, excellent example, of this truth. So let me say that again. Great churches are always destroyed from the inside, not the outside. And this church is an example, excellent example, of the, of this truth. Practices common to this wicked city had crept into the church. There were division among the members. Now, yesterday I was talking about division in the church and cliques. Cliques don't save nobody in Jesus' name. It just creates more division among God's people. Christians were going to the Christians were going to court with fellow Christians before a heathen judge. The behavior at the communion table let me change, uh, communion table was Disgraceful. disgraceful. The women of the church did not observe standards of modesty. Ooh, don't this sound familiar right now? The church membership was arguing over marriage issues and spiritual gifts. Help us, Lord, today. Paul begins, now here's where you come, uh, I need some answers. There's four answers that need to be filled in. Paul begins by discussing the division and cliques within the church. Nothing hurts the witness and effectiveness of a church like little Political parties. Now we can hashtag that. There were four groups who claimed to be followers of different leaders mentioned in chapter one, verses twelve. Name these men, and I'm gonna put it in the chat. We got Paul. There it is. I'm gonna put the answers in here for you because I see some of us. So I'm a little early today. Not everybody's in here to help fill in the blank. That's your answers for that. You look in the chat. Here are the leaders that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Peter, there we go. Actually, Peter. Yeah. yeah, this is a good book though, guys. If you guys get the work, I know it's probably gonna be hard for you, Sister Becky, to follow along, but you guys get the book. I'm telling you, even if you don't go with uh through it with us and you just have it on hand to go through, oh, it, it's it's really good in christ so there's your answers for that for those four um fill-ins. so if you got those on your work sheet those are the correct answers so i'm gonna move on so paul refused to allow anyone to follow him in such a de- decisive decisive sense he wasn't crucified for them and no one had been baptized in his name their action made him glad he had done Little of actual baptizing himself. Paul does not say why he didn't baptize many believers. Perhaps he was letting his associates do the baptizing, or maybe they needed more instruction. Whatever the reason, he was glad he had done little of the baptizing and thus had avoided creating a faction around himself instead of Christ. In chapter 1, verse 18, uh, Paul points out the wisdom of God. He contracts the wisdom of the world the Corinthians were tempted to seek with the genuine wisdom of God. God in his wisdom chose something that seemed foolish to men as a means of redemption for all mankind. What was it? What was your answer for that? Let me put it in there. So your answer should have been the death of Christ on the cross let me put that in the chat for you. The death of Christ on the cross. That's your answer. You should have filled that in. The death of Christ on the cross. Paul's heart is filled with sorrow and pain as he pens chapter 5. He must have asked himself how things could have got, you know, how things could get so bad so fast. Even the heathen wouldn't act that way in chapter five, verse one. One of the men in the church was living in adultery with his stepmother. Lord, help us today, but the worst thing was not that he had that it had happened, but the church seemed to think little of it and made no attempt to correct the situation. Now, when I'm reading this and and, and this sounds like where we're all at today, doesn't it? Amen. There's so much going on and people don't want to correct. Y'all know what it is. You, You see it all out on social media in the body of Christ. This is where we're at today. Paul tells the Christians they're they're to come together and exclude this man from their fellowship. That would be the only way to help him. They certainly weren't helping him by ignoring and thus condoning what he was doing. Exclusion could also be the only way to keep the infection from spreading and infecting others. So he told him, he said, Y'all come together, just leave him out. <laughs> leave him out at the moment, because we don't need it spreading around in the church. What does Paul mean in verses um, nine through ten? So what the what was the answer for that? And you should have we have to associate with the non-Christian people in this world or leave it. We have to associate with non-Christian people in this world or leave it. We remain in this world to be a witness. Okay, so let me put that in there for you so you guys can see. We have to associate. Let me put it in here so you guys can see. We have to associate with non-Christian people. In this world, I wish I had my help today because y'all would already have it in the chat for me. i got to do it myself. <laughs> or leave it. We remain, now this could be a hashtag, we remain in this world to be a witness. We remain in this world to be a witness. Witness. Amen. So, also, let me put how you can find us on Crosstalk Outreach Ministries Corporate on Facebook. Okay? Check us out there.
0: Let me put that real quick. There
1: it is. All right. Oh, hold on. <laughs> you can hashtag that. We have to associate with non Christian people in this world. Or leave it. We remain in this world to be a witness. Amen. To be a witness. And okay. second here. Okay, be okay. witness. what does Paul mean in chapter 6, verse 12? And you have to have your, your book, Corinthians, your Bible, so you guys can follow along. It's kind of hard for y'all. Those that are listening and got the worksheet, but thank you for hanging in. So he says, he will not be controlled or mastered by anything. This means we should not be addicted to anything because only God should have control over us. That's another hashtag, that verse. We will not be controlled or mastered by anything. This means we should not be addicted to anything because only God should have control over us. In chapter 7, Paul discusses uh, the subject of marriage for the Christian. There were some in the church who tried to discourage marriage, marriage, while others said, when one became a Christian, he should divorce his pagan. Um, pagan. Neighbor. Paul was wise. He knew it would be hard to maintain normal family life in a place like Corinth. But Paul wanted his friends to try. What does Paul say? Say, what does Paul say? Someone who is married to a pagan should do. What did he say? He said, you should try to win them with a Christian lifestyle. So You should try to win them with a Christian lifestyle. Let me put that in there for you guys. That's your answer. You uh, should try to win them with a Christian lifestyle. Amen? Okay. You should try to win them with the Christian lifestyle. In chapter eleven, Paul discusses the Lord's Supper. It was the custom of the church at Corinth to eat a meal in the connection with the Lord's Supper. It was called an agape feast. Each person brought his own food. So often there were excessive (laughs) amounts. A lot. The rich among the rich, and while the poor had a little, nothing. The rich would even become drunk with wine, answering the following questions about the Lord's prayer. When it was established. When it was established. When was it established? And your answer should have been, the night before Christ died. The night before Christ died. Okay, so when was it established? The night before Christ died. Okay. Why are we to observe it? It's to remember the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper. Why are we to observe it? Um, And your answer should have been to remember the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. To remember. The suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. All right, that circle that. Suffering. The next one is how often are we to observe it? And the answer should have been as often as we choose. Okay. And what does it show? It shows his death until he comes again. His death until he comes again. That's what it shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me put this in the chat for you guys so you guys can see. As often as we should is to re- is to remember the suffering of the Lord Jesus, and it says how often are we to observe it? as often as we should and often i'll put that in there i don't want to waste too much there there we go and what does it show his death until he comes again so that's just the answer there his death until he comes again because they have observed the supper unworthily unworthily Paul says some of the Corinthians were sick, and some had even died. Yeah, don't play with that. That's why they tell you don't be playing around. From the very beginning, spiritual gifts in the church, from the very beginning, division has occurred in the church over the meaning and use of gifts. Oh, my God. We were just talking about this yesterday. As it is often the case in the Corinth, the dispute grew out of jealousy and pride. Underlying jealousy or pride, I'll put it in the chat. There was rivalry, rivalry, rivalry over the importance of various gifts, especially speaking in tongues. Paul reminds the Corinthians, all gifts are from God. Now, hashtag that, Paul reminds, and Paul reminds the Corinthians, and all gifts are from God. So there is no reason for anyone to be conceited about his or her gifts. Now that is some truth, ain't it? Amen. So all gifts <laughs> are from God. So there is no reason for anyone to be conceited over his or her gifts. Jesus help us today. Mm-mm-mm, the last page here. Let me read that again. That was really good. Paul reminds Corinth, the Corinthians. Of all gifts are from God, so there is no reason for anyone to be conceited about his or her gifts, and we see it all today, don't we? People just outrageous about stuff. We see it, just conceited. And all gifts are from God. Like they, like they the one, they they the one created. No, God gave you that. He placed the gifts in you. God gave the gifts to His church for specific reasons. What are they? According to Ephesians four and twelve what are the gifts guys you guys should know this you hear this so much what are the gifts and i'll put it in the chat here in a moment what are the gifts that he's talked about in 4 and 12 you have your bibles in ephesians 4 and 12 for the equipping of the saints. That's one gift two for the work of the ministry for the edifying building up of the church somebody say amen so I'll put that here in there in a minute because that's a lot. I'm going to move on. i want to waste a lot of the time here, air time. But so it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying, building up of the church. Therefore, we see the Bible teaches spiritual gifts are given for building up believers, strengthening the ministry, and edifying the church. When considering, the val, um, you know, validating any of the gifts, we must speak, does it, um, does it do these three things? So, when we see the gifts, is it edifying, is it, for, is it equipping the saints, is it edifying, um, equipping the saints for the work of a ministry, or is it edifying building up the church, the gifts? That's what the gifts are for, is it doing that? Does it do these three things? The gifts are not given to build up individuals, but to build up the total body of Christ. So you have a gift in you. The gifts are not given to build up you, but it's to build up the body, the total body of Christ. Let me underline that. We can hashtag that. Hashtag. The gifts are not given to build up individuals. Oh, come on, somebody but to build up the total body of Christ. In chapter 13, we're getting ready to close. In chapter 13, Paul examines um, excuse me, Paul explains any spiritual gift or deed is worthless without one key ingredient. What is the cre- the key ingredient according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, 2, 3 Love. Man, we've been preaching this yesterday. I hit him so hard yesterday on my personal uh, Facebook page where we were talking about, Pastor Mark and I were talking about the spiritual gifts, the vision in the church, and where is the love. Oh, my God. And here we are today in our Bible study talking about everything we were talking about yesterday. So love is the key. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. (coughs) Excuse me. 1, 2, 3. Love. Verses 1 through 3. The answer is. Love, okay? Doctrine in the church. The last major problem in Corinthian's church was a doctrinal one. The resurrection of dead believers. Some said there would be no bodily resurrection. Paul resorts that if there is no resurrection of the body, then Christ will not have been raised either. Mm, Come on, somebody. We can't have one without the other. And if Christ wasn't raised, there is no Hope for us, okay. Answer the following questions about resurrection: What will happen to the Christians on Earth? Chapter fifteen, verse chapter um, fifteen, verse fifty-one. And your answer should be: We shall be all changed. We shall all be changed. Put that in the chat here in a minute. Shall be all changed. What? will happen your next question what will happen to the believers who have died they will be raised incorruptible incorruptible a glorified body that will not age or decay so they'll be raised up and be given a glorified body that will not age or decay thank you jesus So, in ending, in chapter 16 contains some closing instructions and greetings to the Corinthian church. With the major moral and doctrinal issue out of the way, Paul now turns to some final personal comments. In these final verses, he expresses his deep love for all the believers at Corinth. Although they were carnal and selfish, Paul loved them chapter um 16 verse 24 and encourage them to show their love for one another chapter 16 verse 20 this epistle clearly teaches the only way to kill church conflict and problems is love oh my god help oh, us today <laughs> thank you Jesus oh glory to god so the this epistle clearly teaches The only way to kill church conflict and problems is with love. And that's what we were talking about yesterday. We got to get back to the love of God, getting the love of God back in us and all this conflict and division in what we hear today. This is where we're at right here. We're we're right here still dealing with the current body of Christ, division, the clique. And we need to get back to love. Nothing will change we need to get back to love pastor was talking about that we can do all these things we ain't got no love it's gonna be nothing nothing the love the love is what we need amen so those are the answers that you should have had filled in for that lesson of the book of first corinthians journey of a lifetime and if you want the journey of the lifetime uh to be a part of that the bible study please direct message us so we can get you this book.
0: Even
1: if even if sorry guys, even if uh, you don't walk through it with us and maybe you walk through it with yourself or take it to your church home and ask your pastor to go through the 52 week Bible study journey of a lifetime because it's really really good guys. And like always, we want you to come back. We want you to engage. I didn't open the line up so much today because it is uh, an, an unusual time that i come on here to do bible study but we missed yesterday and i wanted to make sure that uh I, I, we don't get behind because we are trying to get through it um uh, we are on first corinthians and we're in the new testament now and we got we're on page 137 and our final lasting page is 223 where we'll take a big test on new the new testament in the old testament and we'll Cover everything that we've been through. So I, I encourage you strongly to get this. If you struggle with your Bible study, if you struggle going through the Bible, it's not—it's not so intense where you'll just be overwhelmed and not want to go. Be motivated to go through. It. It's really good of how it's set up. So if you're interested in getting your own journey of a lifetime booklet, please direct message us and we'll help you get one. And if you can't afford one, and then we'll send you the worksheet. Um, through direct message or your personal email. And before we go, you guys know what we like to do here at Crosstalk Outreach Ministries. One second,
3: guys. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Miller. I'm Prophetess Autumn Miller's husband. And I just wanted to take a short minute here and ask if there's anybody out there that does not know Jesus Christ and who he is and would like to get to know him and have a personal relationship, I would just ask you if you would, wherever you're at right now, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner and have broken your laws. I understand that my sin has separated me from you. I am sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. I accept the fact that your son Jesus Christ died for me and was resurrected and is alive today. And here's my prayers. I now know... My heart's open door and I invite Jesus in to become my Lord and Savior. I give him control and I ask that he would rule and reign in my heart so that his perfect will would be accomplished in my life. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Congratulations. If you prayed this prayer in all sincerity, you are now a child of God. That's right. You roll with God in the kingdom. However, there's still a few more steps that you need to do to follow up your commitment. That would be get baptized in full immersion in water as commanded by Christ. Tell someone else about your new faith in Christ. Spend time with God each and every day. Prayer and in the reading of the Bible. His word. Amen. You all have a blessed day. Amen.
1: Y'all have a blessed day. That's Pastor Mark. Y'all know y'all know we that's what we do. We make sure we get the invitation, every Bible study and every podcast and every service. And that's the way it needs to be done. We love you guys. And you can go back at the beginning and listen to uh the video, the teaching on Corinthians. So I normally put that up first at the beginning. You can hear the background of Corinthians and then we go into the Bible study. Um in Jesus' name. We thank you for all your prayers this week for the passage of my father trying to get back on track. That's why I may be a little off today, but God, y'all work with me. But uh, it's been a be- busy weekend and, and uh, still a little busy week trying to trying to get back on track here. But we love everyone, you, Sister Becky, thank you for hanging in with us. Uh, Sister Jamie uh, and all those that are gonna come on. Um, listen, we also offer a prosthetic schooling with some of our uh, CTOM family members that are already in the schooling. Um, the, prophet, what is it, the prophetic and the apostolic, learning about spiritual warfare. Um, if you would like to get in the next class that's coming up, please direct message us and we'll give you the information on that. You do get a certificate after you complete that um, with Apostle Harris is teaching that for us. They are learning, you guys are learning so much about the spiritual warfare and uh, prophetic ministry and apostolic. And um I I am I'm loving the feedback and I'm loving to see what you guys learn. We strongly believe that here at Crosstalk that we put you in classes and courses that will equip you to go out and begin your journey on Jesus with Jesus Christ and then with your ministry and what God has called you to do uh for the kingdom of body, for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. So I love each and every one of you. I ask the Lord to be with you, to cover you in the blood, to cover your family in the blood in Jesus' name. Put a hedge of protection around you guys. In Jesus' name, we thank you for all the new listeners that came on. We thank you for those that are that are coming to Crosstalk Outreach Ministry. In Jesus' name, we just love you guys. And we just ask that the Lord will just encourage you today, and lift you up, and let you know everything is going to be all right. In every situation, he's got you. He's got your back. Now now, you, you got to walk in your victory. In Jesus' name, this is your season of walking in, walking in your victory. In Jesus' name. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. And just focus, keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ. because He's going to lift you up like never before in this season. This is your time. Get equipped so you can go out and minister to the nation. In Jesus' name, I love you guys. I ask the Lord to cover you. I will continue to pray that God covers you and your family and your children. Make sure you're anointing your children. Make sure you're praying over your children. And remember what I said last week. Teach your children. A Bible verse or something before they go to school. Get better at that, parents. Uh, teach them the Lord's Prayer. My children, we say the Lord's Prayer every day before they go out and anoint them. Cover them while they're not, while they're out from beneath your presence. In Jesus' name, remember we have an adversary to come steal and kill and destroy. But parents, be on your job. Be on your post. All right? I'll be uh, praying for you guys, and I love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the glory, Father. We give you the glory, Father, for there's none like you in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I,
0: am gay. I, got, it, I got, it. Yeah. got it We we Right. I don't know why. You mm-hmm. keep on blessing me. You keep on blessing me. Every day. the valley, lump a knife on me, don't know where I will be, I know where I will be, yeah, can't do what I need, I mean, I ride, yeah, all my haters, you know, he'd be fine, I never had no one to stick beside me, and when it's cold, I know he got that fire, you made a way, you made a way, you made a way,